as you just kind of travel through the the nine levels of hell, he, he sort of you sort of realise that he's guilty of all the the sins he comes across. Yeah, he's he's questioning uh, every no. single level. He's like, um, is this where I belong? Is this where I belong? Welcome to the Audio Book Club. Uh, I'm your host for this episode, uh, Stephen. Um, are we calling it host? Um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, we are now. With, with me are uh, my two co-hosts. Uh, guys, do you want to introduce yourselves? I'm Michael. I'm Jonathan. Happy days. Uh, this week we'll be talking about Inferno by Larry Niven and Jerry Purnell. But uh, first, there's a couple of acknowledgements that uh, we want to address, uh, me and Michael, f- for the last episode. <laughs> We don't so, gift up. Uh, first off, first off, uh, I want to apologize for the clicking on my audio. I didn't realize that it was uh, so bad. Uh, I had to listen back, and it was kind of annoying. So won't happen this time. And the other thing was, uh, I was informed. I should say, I say informed. I, I actually mean shamed, uh, <laughs> because I was told that out of the four, out of the three of us, that I was the only one that had to be bleeped uh, multiple times. Uh, so um, yeah, apologies, but uh, it's going to happen. I'm afraid. So yeah, as, as I said, uh, Michael, do you want to? Wanna, yeah, wanna... I, as I said to Stephen before we started recording, uh, I have no issue with the bleeping at all. I think it's kind of funny. Um, that's what the bleep is there for. But uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, all I wanted to say is I know that on the intro and the outro, I introduced it as the audio book podcast. It's the audio book club podcast. So. Uh, I could have re-recorded those parts, but I thought it was also kind of funny to keep those on as were. Well. So, yeah. And uh, I also wanted to say that uh, while listening, I realized that I use listening and reading a lot interchangeably when I always mean listening. I, I think I'm going to probably continue that, to be honest. So just know that when I say, <laughs> yeah, just know when I say reading, we're doing an audiobook uh, podcast. I do mean listening. Yeah, so the, these things are going to happen. Like it's it's early days. We're we're still kind of learning and finding our feet with with it. So definitely. Uh, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's let's go on to the book. Um, so for before before we get into any like plot guess or review or anything, I I just want to mention why I picked the book. Uh, and the reason was mainly to give it some attention. Uh, I think <laughs> we're all aware that it's it's super obscure. I'd mm-hmm. certainly never heard of it. Um before about maybe a year ago or something uh and i think when it was when it was first published it was kind of moderately popular and then sort of went out of print for a couple of years and sort of faded into obscurity and i and i thought the the kind of premise was interesting and i just wanted to to kind of get it out there and see what people thought see if they liked it as much as i did so that's why i picked it um I don't know what you guys think about that, but yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, it was an interesting pick, definitely. It's it's a book I never heard of. Uh, when you said Inferno, you you instantly said not the Dan Brown book right away. I thought that it was going to be the Dan Brown book, which I have read. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting pick, and I do think the premise is is very interesting. It's like it's nearly a premise where I'm like, why has this not been done more? Yeah, yeah, I can completely agree Michael um yeah it's a song that's you just think yeah how has this not been done 
But um, no, no, I thought it was yeah. It's something I wouldn't uh, definitely would have picked myself. I've actually um, yeah, I've never even heard of the Dan Brown Inferno either. But um, yeah, no, I thought yeah, the book was it was kind of it was something that I would like to read. To like you know, it was kind of on this the the things that I would usually choose for myself. It's just like something that maybe if I had a done a search for you know this kind of genre or whatever. I might have just skipped over just based on the name or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. no, yeah, I think it was a, a good recommendation. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's definitely not one you come across often, and uh, you know, maybe not the best pick for the second uh, episode, but <laughs> whatever, it's done now. Uh, so yeah, um, so let's let's jump into the, the sort of plot guest reveal from the last time. Um, so you'll remember that. We may, I made the guys guess uh, what they think the plot was going to be about. Uh, so <laughs> the first note that I have here is that, Michael, you thought it was going to be space hell. That's y- a quote. Yeah. <laughs> or a planet that resembles or represents hell. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, I think that, I mean, that's not a million miles away from, from the kind of what one of the main characters thinks himself. So mm, Yeah, that is a good point. Sort of on the money there, like. Yeah. Um, and and Jonathan, your guess was was, was perfectly on the money because you said Dante's Inferno, and obviously, the book is heavily inspired by and draws from Dante's quite uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned many times, so yeah. So so did I die one that one then? I think I think if well, if, are we doing like a? a I, I feel I feel like we should do a point system? system, and I feel like I have one point now. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's okay. We'll we'll, we'll do a point it. system, and you're 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 in the lead, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So am I, I am I last? You're last. I think you're last. Now I I would I would like to uh, uh, add this in. If we're doing a point system, maybe you should get like two points, Jonathan, and I should get one because you guys. Well, no, I, suppose, I, I think, think we'll just stick with these two having zero. <laughs> mm. Okay, that sounds enough. good. I didn't really do any work there on a point, like so. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, okay, uh, with like. So after now that you've read the book, is there anything you were like super surprised by that um, no, you wouldn't have guessed or mm, the thing that I was surprised most about this book was the genre. I was expecting a science fiction book, as my guess would say, but um, I would say this is more of a fantasy book, and I would even say slightly a horror book. Also, obviously, co- comedy mixed in as well, but there's definitely horror elements as well. So I would say the genre is what surprised me most. The, the tech on Hell is what surprised me because I've always heard of Larry Nevin's name and reference to science fiction. So that that was what yeah took me back most. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, some of the themes aren't too far away from science fiction. Obviously, there's no no tech or anything involved. Yeah. So I think you know, yeah, I think the, the only I mean. the, the closest one is like the protagonist is a science fiction writer. That's definitely a draw in science fiction. There's a lot of um references to science fiction there's some to like l ron hubbard and uh asimov and everything Kurt Vonnegut yeah mentioned yeah. yeah but um yeah. yeah that's what that's what surprised me most that it was a it was the horror elements i was like this is kind of brutal well it's hell it's supposed to be brutal. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> that's the whole kind of point so yeah jonathan definitely wins that one anyway um <laughs> now that we're doing points i'll have to uh I was going to just do joke guesses the whole time, but I guess I'll have to try now. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we get into actually reviewing the book, I'll do like a quick wee overview of the plot. Um, kind of 
as spoiler free as you can be I suppose um, just the premise so yeah. yeah yeah so the overview would be a science fiction writer finds himself in hell but is initially skeptical about this fact uh, he's an agnostic and also a sci- as, as I said a science fiction writer so he comes to believe that he has somehow been preserved after his death and is now in a futuristic sort of theme park which is heavily based on Dante's Inferno he thinks this theme park is controlled by aliens or some sort of advanced human civilization and initially he's trapped as only a consciousness but is freed by another of the damned and the two travel through the nine levels of hell seeking the exit as described by Dante so it's definitely a bit of a bit of a weird plot like um, is there anything you want, you want to add to that or is as, as an overview Actually, no, I thought that was, a, that's, that's that was quite quite a good overview. It actually, the the way you described that overview does make it sound slightly science fiction. You know about the futuristic mm. kind of side of thing. If always science fiction is always you know obviously futuristic. So yeah, I suppose you could almost say that it is kind of. I suppose that's because it's his. He has a science fiction writer, and that's his belief. That's why it makes you know he jumps to these conclusions. Yeah, it's, but yeah, it's his kind of. Um, What's the term? It's, it's kind of him like coming to terms with, well, maybe not coming to terms, but like making sense of where he is. Because yeah. he's, you know, he's those two things, um, which are kind of polar opposites to where he finds himself. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, as it was, because this is the second time I've actually read this book, but I actually forgot what what happens uh, on this, before this read. So I was, I was going through it and I was kind of thinking, is he in a theme park? Is that, <laughs> is that like twist? ending but yeah we'll get to that so yeah um, Yeah. so uh, without giving any spoilers again uh, we'll do like a quick review and then a spoiler review Um, you know spoiler review will just be like the in depth kind of one so without giving any spoilers what do you guys think of the book overall Um, I I enjoyed the book Um, it was was definitely a surprise it was a surprising pick Um, it was was a short book wasn't it it was only five hours It, it was Sometimes I was thinking, uh, this this could have nearly been a, a short story. This could have been an hour long long book as well. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought the the characters. It was quite quirky. It, was, it reminded me of um, it's pro- this is probably a book we will touch on at some point. But it re- reminded me almost of Hitchhiker's kind of style at times. It wasn't quite that zany, but it was there was elements of comedy in this as well. Uh, elements yeah, we're of we're absolutely doing hitchhikers. By <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of the greatest books of all time. We'll, we'll definitely get that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, this it was. It, there was elements of um, there was elements of comedy definitely, and this zaniness. Uh, there was also the horror that I touched on. It was like the dark, dark, and the good. Um, some people I could see some people making a complaint that those tones they don't necessarily go together. They're conflicting. But I, I like, I quite like dark comedy. I think they do go together, the salty and the sweet kind of. Um, I think it worked well together. There was a lot of uh, satire to this and uh, even like vague criticisms maybe of religion possibly, but I I don't know if we can say it as a criticism of religion because this depiction of hell is based on Dante's version of hell, not the biblical version of hell, which we'll get onto that in um, later parts of the episode, the differences between that. But yeah, I, I thought this was a, a really solid pick. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad that we did do it. I'm, I'm surprised by that because uh, <laughs> uh, we were chatting a couple of days ago, and you didn't you didn't tell me your, your thoughts. But I just got from your kind of uh, I just demeanor yeah. that you, you didn't like it. 
So I was like, oh, oh no. Off, off air, Stephen asked me what I thought of this book, and I was very coy on that, but I was simply respecting the integrity of the podcast. No, I, sh- I shouldn't have asked. But, um, yeah, I, but just just from your demeanor, I was like, "Oh, he hates it. He doesn't doesn't like it at all." Oh no! I was, <laughs> I, I, was I was just saving myself for the pod. Yeah, just keep it for the pod. Yeah, I thought um, the immortals agreeing with Michael. Like, I was kind of surprised by where the story kind of went. Um, I thought you know the best part of it is kind of the characters that they're made along the way that is kind of the main premise of it you know is kind of who they speak to um i guess we'll get on the who those characters were in the spoiler review section but um that was the part i enjoyed the most is kind of you know you kind of when you realized you know this is kind of going to be and what we're going to be meeting these characters um or who's it going to be meeting next that was kind of where i got the enjoyment mostly out of it um and i guess through the setting of hell as well as you know it's you know anything can happen there i suppose because it's it's kind of this torturous like magical place like it's you know the, the author could, could could really do anything um so you, you don't really know what to expect um in terms of things and i thought yeah the the, the dark comedy um you know if the it is funny the way it's described but what actually is being described is you know pain and suffering and stuff so i thought that kind of contrast is good i, I do enjoy that in books I would, I would absolutely agree one one thing uh this touches on something michael said there uh he said it could be like a short story, and I do think there was a lot of fluff that yeah. could have been cut out. Yeah, that I'll get onto. But uh, it seems like a it few, seems few like sh- a harsh criticism to make of a book that was only five hour an audiobook that was only five hours long. But yeah, that that feel like um this could have been potentially been a short story rather than a, a novelette or novella, whatever length this would fall under. Yeah, like there there's definitely a few bits that that could have been cut out, and I think well, I'll get onto that in the spoiler part. But yeah. For me, then I suppose, yeah, I would agree with the guys. You know, I, I think it's a, a nice, uh, in a strange way, a, a nice view of hell. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, obviously torture and stuff going on, but it's a nice like sort of body comedy, <laughs> dark body comedy. I think I would uh, describe it as. But I, uh, you know, I kind of like uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah, um, I take issue with some of the characters. Uh, again, I'll touch on that in a bit. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah that's that contrast is, is uh, kept me interested anyway so, so yeah let's let's move on to some of the uh, more in-depth stuff so, and we'll start with characters again so uh, obviously we have the main character Valen uh, we've got Benito uh, who I'm keen to talk about uh, <laughs> we've got uh, what was his name Corbett uh, who's like sort of a main character but uh, not uh, but yeah I'll get on to that we've got Billy uh, who's there as well <laughs> and we've got a bunch of other denizens of hell um a lot of damn souls and uh demons so there's a, there's a few characters to go through but some will not have much to say on hmm. uh so so alan like obviously he's not the nicest guy um i think no. the authors were very clearly trying to paint that picture at the start yeah uh to kind of reinforce why he's why he's in hell um there's a, there's a few things you kind of you kind of gather as you go along, and I think he actually addresses it himself um, later in the book. But as you kind of travel through the the nine levels of hell, he he sort of you sort of realize that he's guilty of all the the sins he comes across. Yeah, he's he's questioning uh, on every you know, single level. He's like, um, is this where I belong? Is this where I belong? Yeah, it's a, he's he's definitely yeah, yeah. not an innocent uh, character. He's not the Andy Dufresne. I'm I'm innocent kind of character. He. You you have the yeah. sense like he's guilty of something, and it's just a matter of 
figuring out what it is, and then you know you gradually realize. You notice that with it. You notice that with a few characters, like as they go along, they kind of like, oh, should I be here? But it's yeah. it's it's more kind of apparent with him. It's it, as yeah. you say, it's every every single time, mm-hmm. except for one. I, I made a note of this that one time he just there's one where he says absolutely couldn't be, uh, you know, guilty of that because it's the the sort of selling holy offices for money one. Yeah, which obviously yeah. Um, so like, what what did you guys think of of Alan? Um, did you think he was a good prota- protagonist? Did you did you find him interesting, or what did, what did you think? I thought I thought that he was a good protagonist. He, as you said, as you touched on, he's not like he's not the most sympathetic character. He's not like he's not a character we're asked. I don't think too much to root for, but um, his conflict is interesting. I think that the I like I like that he's he's got this kind of wry um, comedic point of view. He's like the way he observes things is inherent is inherently funny. I think. So yeah. I I I don't think he was a good protagonist, despite the fact that I don't know if I like him as a person. I don't know if you would like <laughs> want to have a beer with him afterwards or anything. But um, no, I thought he was a. Well, he's likely to jump out a window. So. <laughs> I thought he was a compelling protagonist. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd um, yeah, agree with Michael. Um, I think I guess as like he goes on further and he kind of sees more of the suffering too. Like I I do remember he does try and like help a few people like I think he's maybe kind of you know there's the whole um, thought of hell is supposed to you know be the last test to see if you're eligible for heaven essentially kind of thing um, and he feels yeah. like he does start to realise you know I should be trying to redeem myself because there's like a scene where he's like I think it's like in the frozen lake towards the end of the book where he's like picking the icicles off people's eyes and things like that trying to help them but they like they, they seem not they want to be helped Um which I feel like that's the way he is at the start, you know, he's, he's not really too fussed about it at the moment, like he's kind of, I suppose from his point of view, he's, yeah. he's he views this as some kind of, you know, the, the sci-fi kind of theme park or whatever, but I feel like most people there, yeah. you know, maybe did not believe that they were there, and now that they know, they're there, know that this is real, this is actually hell, they've kind of just given up, and this is the way it's going to be for them now, and I feel like he kind of realises that towards the end, and he's like, right, I don't want this the way that this is how it's going to be, so... Yeah, well, he thinks a lot of the the people he meets are, are stooges, right? That they're they're kind of employed by the theme yeah. park to to make it sort of real. So yeah, uh, yeah, definitely noticed that as well. As he goes along, he kind of starts helping people. I can't remember exactly when it was, but there was one person he asked um, a couple chapters in. You know, do you want to come along with us? And he kind of catches himself and thinks, "Why did Why did I say that for?" They'll, yeah, they'll slow us yeah, down. Yeah. Sort of thing. So yeah, you can sort of see him changing as as you go. I think that might have been earlier on, early on in the book, but yeah, definitely as it goes, he sort of uh, sympathizes with people more and more, which was was interesting for sure. Yeah, he definitely um, has a, has an arc. I would say. Yeah. He definitely changes he ha- he over arc, the yeah. he has he changes over the course of the story. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, towards the end, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but I noticed towards the end that he switches between referring to himself as Carpenter and Carpentier. Yeah, which is his, I did notice that, yeah. Um, which is his, like, author yeah. uh, you know, name. Yeah, it's more, more interesting which, than which, he says. I think he says he, he did it to yeah, make it more, more interesting or something like that. Yeah, so I, I thought, I thought I noticed that he was switching, though, and, and I thought, like, that was him sort of acknowledging that he needs to change and not be that sort yeah, of... Yeah, the same person he was um, before. 
self-absorbed yeah. yeah so sort of guy and uh you know become i don't know um himself what you would feel about this but i would say um i would say not every protagonist needs to have an arc not every protagonist needs to change james bond is an example especially the older james bond movies the character is not any different at the end of the plot than he is at the start but yeah. that's like the intention of yeah. those movies james bond is james bond i would say a journey through hell is supposed to change you so I would say an arc was essential for this kind of story. Yeah, I would say it. Has, well, I mean that's that's kind of crucial to the plot, really. Yeah, cause, it, it's it, the, I mean the whole famous transformation kind of, isn't it? It's like it's at the heart yeah, of this book. Yeah, it's. I think the the message of the book is that anyone can sort of redeem themselves. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll get onto that with the next character, but which I have an <laughs> issue with. But uh, yeah, so any anyone can change and sort of redeem themselves, and then thereby escape their own hell, sort of thing. So. Mm-hmm. He kind of needed to have an arc, yeah. It yeah. would have been kind of weird if he got to the end, and you know he was the nicest guy ever, and you're kind of thinking, why is he in hell? Yeah. Or if he's if he's the worst guy ever, why does he get to leave hell? Exactly. Which again, we'll touch on in a wee second. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. Uh. We'll we'll move on to the next character now, the sort of second main character, uh, which would be uh, Benito himself mm-hmm. or Benny. Yes. Uh, so Benny, so Benito serves as Alan's guide through hell, and is like this by this book's version of Virgil, uh, which is one of the few things I know about Dante's Inferno. <laughs> uh, he's he's very vague about himself, and he tends to change the subject or ignore questions entirely uh, when you know prompted. Um, <clears throat> but it's clear that something's something's weird about him. Something's not right. He seems to be able to wander hell freely, and nobody really tries to stop him. Uh, and it's it's alluded to that he's he's done this a couple of times. You know, yes. he's he's travelled through the levels, uh, you know, more than once, mm-hmm. or that he's been sent by God or something. So there's definitely a mystery to him. Um, so let, let's cut right to it. What what did you think about the reveal to his identity? <laughs> did you see it coming? Was it obvious, or what do you think? Uh, I should say first that he obviously he was revealed to be Mussolini the whole time. Yeah, Just, I thought. Yeah. Um, Obviously, he's introduced as Benito, and then from then on, he kind of um, says that he, you know, they call him Benny. Um, now, I feel like if you knew that Mussolini's first name was Benito, which I didn't, um, and he's, you know, it's an Italian man called Benito, it should be easy to piece that together. You know, he's in hell. Um, but I didn't know, so I, I actually was surprised by it um, by the end. Um, yeah, I was surprised. Um it was one of those twists where I'm like, was this supposed to be a twist and I was just being stupid? But from what I, I actually read reviews as well, and it seems like a lot of people were surprised by this. So it seems like it was an intentional twist. Um, yeah, I was I was surprised that it was Mussolini. I think I've heard before in the past that his name was Benito, but I never, never made the connection at all to, to this character. It just it, that wasn't on my radar at all. That surprised me. And I, I found it was a satisfying twist as well. I thought... Yeah, I I did I did know that Mussolini's first name was Benito, but only because of the Lemon Demon song uh, Ultimate Showdown <laughs> of Ultimate Destiny. Uh, he's mentioned in that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I would never would I wouldn't have pasted it together like just you know yeah from that alone and that he's Italian obviously yeah. Uh, but I, I think what I would say though is that if they had called him Benny the whole time, it probably would have been more more subtle. But maybe maybe that's not needed. Yeah, it's you know, because he says yeah. he says to call him Benny, but Alan never does. So, 
Yeah, it seemed like it was it was enough to fool most people from what I've read. It seems like it did catch most people off guard. And it's it's one of those uh, twists where you're like, how, how did I not see this? You know, you, you, feel, yeah. you feel stupid after you're like, how? Yeah, I wonder if that was a conversation the sort of writers had while they were doing it. You know, mm-hmm. at the first they said, okay, we'll, we'll call him, uh, you know, it'll be Mussolini. We'll call him Benny, though, so that, yeah. it, you know, it's subtle. And yeah. You know, one of them was probably like, oh, but, you know, people won't know. I wonder if they even decided yeah, that they decide, like, that it was Mussolini, you know, from the get-go, or, like, well, right, we'll have some famous bad historical character. Could have been Hitler or whoever, you know. Could have been I know, imagine bad. they had said Adolf. I mean, yeah, we all I mean, would have... We all well, that, see, that would have been So obvious. I think that's why, you know, they probably, like, maybe wrote the story with this character or whatever, but then was like, okay, um, Benito, because, you know, it's maybe hard to guess that that's who they're talking about. You know, that's why they chose him. Mm-hmm many people wouldn't know that because yeah. if the name was Adolf you would know exactly who it is straight away but <laughs> I'm surprised Hitler didn't uh, make an appearance actually he That's, was mentioned by I was Mussolini, yeah but I was going to mention that that as one of my maybe minor criticisms of the story is that um I don't think it takes full well, advantage get airtime <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it takes full advantage of the fact that as in hell and you can literally introduce anybody like there is a there is a bit of I would say a bit of balls to this book, but I think it could have had more balls. Like it could have it could have went more places. It could have like criticized so many historical figures for like, like Charles Manson yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I well, think he I, he was probably still alive at the time the book was written. Yeah, but wasn't there? Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't he actually um like in a battle too? Well, well the Manson murders were in the sixties, and the book was written in seventy six. Um. Hmm. Oh, but that. like yeah it's not even just him like maybe like you know Nero like even like way like Roman you know because he was like the Roman emperor but he was like supposed to be really bad or whatever but like there was a yeah, there was like a big opportunity I feel and they maybe only like touched on a bit of it but to be fair the characters that were introduced were you know I did like it was just yeah I feel like there yeah. was a big opportunity there to get even more yeah I mean, like Bully yeah, the Kid, well, for example. Like, I, I don't think that was like a really inspired choice. I thought he was a he was a fun character, but like you could have had like so see, many I, different. I people. have I have different opinions about Billy, but I'll, we'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, so you were just saying there about you know obviously Manson was the sixties and in the books in the seventies, but now that I'm thinking about it, the book actually so hell time works weird in hell, right? It's mentioned a few times and um. You know, so you could have literally had people that were alive when the book was written. You know, could have criticized them within the book, which would have been uh, a lot of mm-hmm. balls. But yeah, I guess yeah, yeah because like, there's another ad- wanted to criticize people that weren't alive anymore that couldn't defend yeah. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> there's in Carpenter, uh, and he spends like uh, a couple of decades on the bottle, so he's technically on the future, and and has version well, of that, the future uh, anyway. That and it's mentioned that time works weird. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's one of the first things Benito says is that time mm-hmm. doesn't, you know. Um, back back to Benito, like the, my main problem with him is obviously he's he's Mussolini, right? This mm-hmm. huge huge red flag, yeah. okay. But he he's, he's sort of presented in a, in a sort of you know <laughs> a sympathetic character. Way. I know, I know, a sympathetic, likable way, which is a bit strange. Um, now, if it was Hitler, yeah. that would have, I know, you know, I know. 
You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. he, he, look, he's presented as a kindly guide through hell who maybe loves God a bit too much yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't fit. Because he's mentioned, they mention a part where it's like he's kind of like sad about, you know, the people that were murdered on his like boardroom or whatever, you know, whenever he was killed. That's, he was like, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. really care about what they did to me. It was more, you know, the people that worked for me that, you yeah. know, maybe didn't deserve such horrible deaths or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you cannot, it's trying to make you but, feel sorry for him, even though those people were probably all corrupt as well. Yeah, it's yeah, because the people who wrote the book wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? That's uh, kind of what was, I was alluding to when I said that I think the book had balls. It was like, is this is this yeah. really asking me to see Mussolini as a sympathetic character? It was like <laughs> Carpenter like chucks him on the bed when he finds out, and then it's like, oh, I guess we're done with Mussolini, and then he comes back, and it's like, no, he's we're supposed to be written for him. It's like <laughs> it was an interesting choice. Yeah, I mean. Like, obviously, yeah, the the book is... And another thing is, I think they had a pick a character, a guy like that, to be the guide. Because, obviously, at the end of the book, you you know, Alan sort of makes him go to purgatory, or makes Benito go to purgatory, or on, or whatever, <laughs> to I, show that anyone yeah. could do it, right? Yeah. So it kind of had to be one of the worst people who yeah. ever existed, sort of thing. That is, yeah, but thematically, now, yeah, it fits. Yeah, it fits, but, I mean... I think that they could have expanded on, you know, the other people that he helped escape. Mm. Or maybe if he just got more people out, that might have softened the blow a bit. Because six people out of hell doesn't really make up for, (laughs) you know, Mussolini's actions. No. You know, I don't think he deserves to get out after six people. But then, again, how many is too many to say? I mean, you can't say he's helped thousands of people because... (laughs) The demons probably would have stopped him or something, and then that breaks the plot as well. And yeah. but sex, sex doesn't seem to be it enough. It feels like a know? question too big for one podcast to answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I just yeah. I mean, as as I said, I, in a weird way, I sort of like Benito, right? But I'm kind of I thought that the choice on myself because he's Mussolini. Yeah, I thought the choice was really it was really solid. I thought it was interesting. I I, I like you. I'm conflicted on whether to say it was why it was good, why it was bad, but at the very least, it was an interesting pack and it had it had my attention. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I don't think the authors are trying to you know justify Mussolini or kind of mm-hmm. absolve him in any no, way. I'm just, no. I just, I just, I don't know. It doesn't it's, gel yeah. properly with my brain. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so Corbett. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Was it Glenn? Glenn mm. Corbett. I don't know. The spaceship pilot. He. He, he sort of becomes a main character, but then he's like sort of a weird secondary character at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And he tags along, but he doesn't really do much, as I yeah. remember. He drives a car at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess he's, he's used as a sort of uh, tool to demonstrate the healing abilities within mm-hmm. Hell. Yeah. And, and and he eventually returns to his rightful place uh, in, 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 you know, inverted commas. Showing that you you know without change you you can't move on, sort sort of thing. So yeah. he's, he's like a metaphorical character. Yeah. But for me, I I don't know. I I think I said this at the start. I don't know if he was necessary to 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 be in the plot. Mm. You know, I think it might have. I think it might have worked better if it was just like a body uh, a a body picture, in a sense where it's just them two traveling through hell and they meet these people. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he contributed enough to to kind of yeah 
be worthy of main character uh, it sort of it sort of breaks the way the plot works doesn't it because the plot is very like episodic it's like and and that's understandable given that hell and and dante's vision is divided into nine levels it's like level one level two level three is each episode it has to be broken down into segments like that and it's like oh we'll meet these characters on level three we'll meet these characters on level four i i, I think like it's making given any character beyond the benito and carpenter feels like too much spotlight i think like these should all be individual adventures between the between the nine levels i do have a i do have something to say about about the structure of using the nine levels on and when we're talking about plot but um yeah i i think i think a body a body comedy would have been the best way to approach it i would i would say yeah what about you johnny any any feelings on corbett um yeah, I think. Yeah, he probably wasn't a necessary character, um, simply because I don't really remember much about him. He wasn't a memorable, like, you know, Benito. I feel like <laughs> everything, you know, said was kind of interesting and funny, whereas the stuff about Corbett, he was just, yeah, he was just like a an extra body just to throw in there, just to maybe make it not as just, just the two people, but yeah, I, I agree with Michael. I think, yeah, just them two going through, meet someone, have an interaction with them, and then move on. I think that yeah. was probably better and maybe a bit yeah faster. You could have like you know cut out all that extra detail that I don't think enhanced the story in any way. Yeah, I mean he's he's a tool, right? He's he's literally a tool to show. Yeah, for the body. Yeah, that's the only the only kind of thing I remember about him is him like burning up. And I think um, Carpenter thinks that he's you know dead or he's he can't save him. Why is he trying to save him? Um, but yeah. then he's like, oh no, he just regenerates. You can't die here. I'm just trying to you know put him out because he's in serious pain or whatever um but yeah i think you know i probably could have just been described using benito or carpenter themselves anyway you know we could have found out that information so yeah i don't think it was very necessary but yeah i mean the the next character i was going to talk about was billy and he's much the same i mean he he doesn't really he's not really in it for very long and a lot a, a good chunk of when he's in it he's actually like KO'd. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's kind of sitting in the front of the car, not doing anything because he's healing. But I think it's the same the same kind of thing. He he doesn't he doesn't need to be in the story. I don't think. And his, him joining was kind of strange for me. I'm not sure if I missed something there, but you know when they're they're going through the the boiling lake, boiling blood lake or whatever, they pass the island and he kind of tags along. I don't I I feel like I missed something on the lesson there where he uh, I don't know why. He suddenly tagged along with him, you know. But yeah, what do you what do you think about Billy? Yeah, I think I touched on it. I don't. Well, I don't think he was... he's Billy the Kid. As, yeah, as Billy well. the Kid. Just... Yeah, I actually listened to a podcast recently about Billy the Kid. Um, he's an interesting historical figure. I just don't think it was the most inspired choice for this um particular story. I think um, I think you could have went more interesting places like. I don't want to, I'm nearly hesitant to name real people because this will make it very political. Like, what if we had a scene like Christopher Columbus or someone like that? Just make the story a bit more biting or something, but yeah. Like, I feel like, too, he didn't like, you know, I feel like using characters with a specific talent, like like you said, just like, say that Christopher Columbus, and then he would be like, you know, someone that would help them sail across something or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I felt more like they were just like random, randomly there not doing like yeah. much like but it would have been better yeah if, yeah say, like, definitely i, I mean if, if it's going to do the episodic structure it has to be like it has to really capture it has to be really imaginative i feel like each ep, each level to be distinct and, and uh 
to differentiate itself beyond description because um when you're just describing what the levels are you're just you are just retelling dante's inferno i mean or yeah, I think the like, divine comedy because they meet they meet like al capone and like they could have had an opportunity where he's maybe running still running like a big gang or something going on down in hell and it's just yeah, like he's yeah, like living yeah. the life do you know what i mean like every yeah. character should kind of have their their thing that they had in real life or like sorry before hell but i just feel like mm-hmm. it was an opportunity missed to do that Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting because like Benito says that he tried to start a government, so like I could absolutely see Al Capone, like you know. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I don't think about that. That is. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, um, I think that is somewhere they could have expanded into, like, but mm-hmm. yeah, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, Billy and Corbett didn't really need to be there. I mean, Corbett drives a car and Billy pushes <laughs> a guy into a pit yeah. or something. Yeah, didn't. Not not the biggest impact, but yeah. Uh, and then lastly, I guess, are the demons that we meet along the way. Um, obviously, there's a p- bunch of lesser demons that uh, are kind of, quote-unquote, the guards, and they are, you know, the torturers and mm-hmm. stuff. But there's a few we meet, like uh, Charon and Garion and, and Minus and stuff that have, like, functions within hell. Um, so have you got any opinions on those or the portrayals they're, they're not in for very long but I mean yeah. I don't yeah. feel like a massive sense of conflict from characters to be honest it, it came more like obviously because it's hell it comes from the setting the conflict uh, so I don't feel like a massive presence from the demons they were here and there they were just there to serve a function really I don't feel like nothing stood out to me particularly I don't think it was bad but it was just like I don't feel a big presence from character that any characters were causing that much of a threat if that makes sense yeah it makes sense I mean for me like the for me they kind of got me thinking like why are they even there yeah because you know they're, they're supposed to be I guess quote unquote serving God's wishes or whatever but like Garion just helps them helps Benito out every time it seems like no baller and uh I can't remember what the minus part, but did he not just let them go or something? He was like a gatekeeper or something, wasn't he? Like they let them free to some other part, or like a yeah. judge, wasn't he? A judge as well. Like he was like, yeah, minus, minus was the judge. Yeah, yeah. but he he kind of just let them pass. And yeah, it doesn't seem like they were big there... obstacles or nothing. Yeah, like do you yeah, ever see the I movie that... Seven? Yeah, you know how each yeah. each murder like embodies one of the seven deadly sons. Like oh, yeah. I think it would have been interesting, like if the if one of the demons if each of the demons like embodied one of the sons to like make them more thematically fit with the levels or some something like that just to make yeah, them to differentiate like, the, like them e- and each level had a theme and then like the demons yeah. you know was according to a theme and it was like it was almost yeah. like a the boss like like a boss level of this, yeah yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, like, like, like now you have a huge demon who is eating people or something like that you know <laughs> yeah. yeah the glutton one yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I don't know if the writers could do much with the demons because they are, as I understand, very closely paralleled from Dante's Inferno. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't, I don't know if they could change too and, much. And I think because it's worth. They were going yeah. for that. I don't know. Did we mention this at the start? Mirror image. Did we mention this at the start that none of us have read um, the Divine Comedy? I think it's just worth putting on here that none of us have actually read the the original work. Well, I, I was going to touch on that later. Um, yeah. but yeah not, none of us have read it could be an audiobook <laughs> recommended soon coming <laughs> come to yeah. you coming to uh, an audiobook club 
so yeah, the, the demons. The the one that I think was the most impactful. I think was the one that he met at the very end. Not Satan, not Lucifer. The the I don't think it was actually named. It was in one of the bulges, uh, and it was sort of torturing people, like cutting cutting their heads off and stuff. Um, I think he shoved a, a stake up uh, uh, Dracula. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. But he, you know, he sort of um, there was a, a few interesting interactions with him and, and Alan. You know, mm-hmm. doing the obviously they played tic tac toe and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, for for me, I was kind of catching myself thinking, why doesn't he let him travel back? Because he's not sort of forcing him into the pit, but he's not letting him return the other levels either it was kind of strange yeah I thought we, we've talked about characters for far too long yeah. now, so let's, let's, <laughs> let's move get on, on to the plot let's yeah. move on to the plot uh, so like what, what do you think overall Is obviously we said there's a few things we could cut out so maybe we can touch on that yeah so, so um, like like I said I, I think um, I think it was a really good premise like the idea of going through Dante's version of hell and up like an updated story it is it's very good it's it's just inherently it's got a journey and everything it has an arc that you can tie into it um like i think the biggest weakness of the plot is the fact that it is episodic you have the nine levels and you have to go through each of them i think that in itself can make it feel a bit repetitive at times uh but overall i thought you know i think the premise is really strong it it made me think i was as i was listening i was thinking this would be a really good game. I don't know if there are many games based on Dante's Inferno, but there, there is a game really called good. Dante's Inferno, and it was right. It's really good. <laughs> it is right. basically that the same thing. It's because it is it is a boy. You're a guy that's journeying through hell, essentially trying to get out. Mm-hmm. So it is essentially yeah. the story. Oh really? Yeah. I look that up. That's what see, I thought see, as I, I was listening. Yeah. Yeah. I might ahead. look that up, but I, I kind of had a similar thought to you, uh, Michael, but. You know, maybe this would be a good game because obviously I, I didn't know that was a thing, but I, I was thinking like a, a sort of um, what do you call it? like a maybe a point and click, uh, like an old school point and click, or maybe like a sort of interactive movie. You know those ones like the Telltale games, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Uh, like The Walking Dead. Stuff. I think it might work really like well. Like what the one the, the interactive like the person has like a multiple options, multiple choices, and then they choose on and you go based on that. And some choices might lead yeah, the failure and some choices lead the, the way out you know yeah I think that I think that will work really well but maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to do a game podcast <laughs> we'll have well, to yeah. talk about these things um, yeah. I think uh, in terms of the plot then I think um, yeah I agree mostly Michael I think that the, the actual premise the idea of them journeying two, two guys journeying through hell together um, kind of encountering all these the different settings um, you know because there's like the the boiling blood and then there's like the, the ice pool as well there's like all these different kind of you know tormented settings that are you know different and then they find different people mm-hmm. that befit that setting in terms of what they what their actual crime was on you know they land them in hell and then meeting and speaking to those people i thought that was a really good premise i just think yeah as i as we think we kind of touched on earlier the the fact they kind of missed the opportunity to take it even further um i i just don't think that the the actual interactions were as entertaining as they could have been you know so the the, the actual general idea is good but yeah the, they didn't really expand as much as i would have liked on it yeah i, I would totally agree with that i think 
Uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, again while reading it is th- those sort of characters that we meet. Um, I-, I believe Alan mentions the you know the punishments. A bunch of times that the punishments seem really harsh for the crime that they they committed. That is yeah, think, a common it's, theme. And, it's yeah. Eternal, yeah. It's, it's, it's eternal punishment for for even minor crimes sort of yeah. thing. But I th- I I kind of caught myself thinking that maybe the purpose of that is because they won't change. You know, they're, mm. they they haven't really changed their ways, so yeah. You know, they they need to be punished <laughs> in a sense. Do you know, I think I, I think that's um, I think that well, apart from maybe Alan and Benito, I think who are the they're the strongest part of the book for me. I think the theme how it how it ties together thematically is like the the next strongest part of the book, and that uh, that kind of um as you were saying um you know what it's hell is like it's people's sense of justice and all our versions of hell it's like does this minor sin does this really justify this eternal suffering and it's his sense of injustice as he's going through this and everything it's it was it's interesting i I enjoyed that aspect of the book it it, yeah it got you thinking a little bit yeah. yeah one one thing that i wanted to mention too was that i i like that hell changes as time goes on I think that's that's that really was interesting, cool definitely, yeah. Yeah, but it got again, like you said, it got me it got me thinking because obviously Benito's made this journey what, six times? But yeah. the what was it called? The suicide forest is, is moved or yeah. or something, or it's gone yeah. to make way for some industrial part. So it kinda begs the question how long between journeys Mm. (laughs) and how long does it take to travel yeah that that makes a lot of sense doesn't it because like as society moves on the nature of what constitutes a sin and what constitutes a punishment is going to change so i thought that was uh, that was a really interesting touch to add to hell yeah for sure but it got it got me it, it sort of provoked those sort of questions like how long does it actually how long would it actually take to travel through the nine levels and obviously it's, it's a question we're never going to get answered because you know it's kind of one of the, the running things of the joke that time kind of is weird in hell but uh, what one metric that we get later on in the eighth circle is when like you know the monks in one of the bulges and, and when Alan's traveling back to rescue Benito he, he mentions that he's seen him a week ago and uh, I thought wow was it a week really it's, it, he was just talking like a chapter ago it's kind of strange no, because like at the, at the end too, they say it's like a four thousand like meter or mile climb or something like that. I mean, you know, if you're climbing that amount, or that would take ages. So like usually, like a lot of the things they have to do is like over a great distance. So I'm assuming this happens over in our time, you know, months or years. But obviously, like you, you mentioned before, the time is different in hell. So I'm not sure what their time generalization is. But but yeah, I think it's over a long time of what seems like years to them. Yeah, and, and yeah. he climbed that, you know, climbed out, but Alan sat watching him the whole time, know, uh, which is like, wow. Just sitting there watching <laughs> this long climb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, another thing, this is, I wanted to move on to this too. You, you said, you know, it takes a long time, uh, but it's not really that apparent to us, is uh, the, the glider part. Oh, yeah. Like, how long was he building that glider for? Yeah. Uh, which, uh, by the way, that is the main part that I would cut out of the book. I don't know why that it needed to. Exist. So it was just a failed attempt. I, I guess I suppose you had to like, was, you know, try, yeah. try, try and try again. Can I? I get, I get that it, you know, it was him. It was a way to show that he doesn't believe that he's in hell and he thinks he can just fly over the wall and, and that's it. 
Uh, so I, I know that Benito kept saying, you know, it's not going to work, but we tried anyway. We've got eternity. Uh, but I think I think I think there's there was quicker ways to wrap that up, you know, <laughs> because he goes through a lot of denial. I think it goes on too long. He's yeah. He think it's Inferno Land. It's it's it has a good. It has again. It's funny, especially from a science fiction writer. It makes sense that that would be his rationalization of hell. But I think it just goes on too long. I like I like smart characters. I like characters who figure things out quick. I understand that there's a bit of a denial, especially when you're faced with something so implausible as waking up in eternity of hell. You're gonna deny it, but I, I just it just goes on a wee bit too long for me. It, it's I think I think he should have came to the re- realization a bit sooner. Definitely. But, but what do you think about the actual glider? Like, do you think there was a better way to deal with that? Because it, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, how does he know how to build a glider? And how did he find all the stuff that he can need to, to build it? It was, it was a bit bizarre. Yeah, that part definitely. I felt myself a bit disengaged with that part. Yeah. So yeah, I guess let's let's go to criticisms then. Um, we kind of we kind of went through a few criticisms already, like with the characters and stuff of Corbett and yeah. demons and stuff, but. Is there any major yeah. concerns or criticisms that you have that you want to talk about, touch on? I think that I said it earlier on to you, I feel like this probably could have been a short story. I feel like this could have been, like, this is five hours. I feel like this could have been condensed into about two hours, maybe even possibly one hour. That's what I wanted to ask you. So what, what would you cut out then? To, to, what, what do you think was unnecessary? Other than the glider part. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think the glider, anyway, but um, different levels describing them. I think a lot of that should have been cut out. I think you should have focused on, like, the writer should have been like, what What do we really want to say of this book? What's the interesting heart of our fame? And let's focus on what two or three levels really exhibit this. And then we'll just play lip service and say, they passed through this level, they passed through that level. Yeah. And they just focus on those levels a bit more. Because I think going through the nine levels, describing each it's just yeah it's, it's repetitive i think um my criticism actually kind of touches on i guess what we're going to go into um the writing style and the narration yeah uh, yeah uh, um <laughs> i think i think the maybe the read is because it's from a first person perspective to read that is okay but narrating i feel is a bit boring like it's you know he does like the voice for benny when benny just says something you know he does the italian accent or whatever you know it's interesting but whenever you're narrating, you just do a general voice. And because a lot of the book is from that first person narration, it just seems a wee bit boring in terms of the actual performance of the, you know, the, the narrator. Um, so I'm not sure that's his fault directly or if it's the, because the book, it's, you know, from that first person. So it's more suited to be an actual read, read book rather than listen to book. Um, but I think that's just something I maybe didn't enjoy about the book. You know, like um, last week we had Stephen Fry narrating Harry Potter. Harry Potter's obviously got a lot of characters <laughs> who have a lot of, you know, Stephen Fry does a good performance of a lot of their voices and things. He's he's a, he's a tough act to follow. Yes. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I just didn't <laughs> find it as, you know, pleasing to the ears as, yeah, that. So I think that is my main criticism mm-hmm. um, away from what, I, what, what all the other things that we've talked about the story. I think we've, I've already covered everything that I didn't yeah i think i think yeah we'll, we'll move on to the narration anyway because i was going to get to that after but i i would agree jonathan like the it would i find it kind of hard to to follow at times um the character uh work that he did i think was pretty good like you said benito was was really well done and 
the Italian um, accent was good. You know, the solid Billy the Kid. I think I think it was it was <laughs> it kind of helped me picture for, for Billy in a sense, um, and a few of the other characters. Yeah, I think I think his character voices were really good, but the the narration mm-hmm. and descriptions of stuff I think was a bit all over the place. Like, I yeah. I don't maybe it's his way of talking. I don't know, but it it seemed like he some of the things he was saying was far too quick. And I find myself having to kind of go back to to re-listen to a bit to kind of see what I missed. It's that um, it's that old uh, science fiction style, isn't it? It's like the tw- yeah. that was like really popularized by the Twilight Zone. Rob Serling, isn't it? Yeah. Who does the Twilight Zone? Like it, it's it feels like that was the the voice, the style of narration for science fiction for so long. But uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think I th- I think that took me out of it at times anyway, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the worst I've heard. Let's put it that way. I mean, and I, I don't think I don't think it's a it's a criticism on 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 the on the narrator, personally. I, I would no. agree with what Jonathan said there, and you know, it's it's kind of the style of the book rather than the performance. But yeah, yeah, it was definitely definitely brought the the total stars down for me. Anyway, let's say, I'll say that. <laughs> so, like, what 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 did you think about the style and stuff, Michael? the narration style uh like you guys uh, alluded to i thought it was um wasn't the strongest aspect of the book but um it did lose me at times but i thought um i thought it really matched he he did well of like given that kind of that wry comedic tone to carpenter's um or carpenter whatever his um his point of view i think he conveyed that really well i think benito i don't know I don't know if I could say that it was a good Italian accent, but it was a good um, <laughs> impression of an Italian accent. <laughs> but it was, uh, I thought it was funny. It was entertaining at times. But um, I think I think this book started really strongly and it ended really strongly, but he, he lost me with his narration at times in the middle. Yeah, I agree with that. I completely agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Okay, so let's let's get into it. So the ratings, what what would you guys rate this book? Let's let's start with you, Jonathan. Um, yeah. So based on the, I I really like the premise. Um, as I've said, and however, due to the missed opportunity of expanding on you know more interesting characters and actually giving them more detail and things like that, and the the narration as well, I would say that based on. Um, our rating system I would give it a 3 out of 5 okay yeah uh, Michael what, what about you um, initially I had it in my mind to give this a 4 for liked but um, you guys nearly drove me down a bit because <laughs> you made such good points but uh, I'm going to stick to my guns here I say I liked this book I thought it was an interesting premise it, it lost me in the middle at times uh, I think it should have been shorter I think it should have a lot should have been cut if this was a short story, I might have bumped this up to a four point five, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a four on this. I thought, and the narration was uh it was a bit of an issue at times, but overall, I think he did well at carry uh capturing the protagonist's voice and their sense. He he gave a good sense of what the character was about and everything. I felt I felt. Yeah, I think I think for me, I I would okay. So I'm gonna separate it into like plot, like the story and the the narrator completely, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for the plot, I I would give it a four. I mean, I, if we were combining those two metrics, I would probably pull it down to a three and a half. But mm-hmm. you know, as I was kind of writing down some notes for this episode, and I thought, uh, if I was to read this book, like by like actually read the book, 
I think it would be far better, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, but then again, this is an audiobook uh, podcast, so, I mean, maybe I shouldn't it's say all that. It's factors so, on, yeah. So, but, yeah, I, I would say plot four, and for the narrator, I would give him a three. Mm. Yeah, it's so 3.5. Yeah. Average. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would like to get as a, I would like to get a paper copy of the book and see see how I get on, but uh, it's too early yeah. <laughs> early to read it again. I think, but, maybe next I think year. that was a good point. Yeah, but uh, it might be difficult to get a copy because, as I said, it was out of print for a while. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think as I said at the start, that's one of the reasons why I think that it's so obscure is because it went out of print in the eighties or the you know seventies, and it didn't, or maybe it was the nineties. Yeah. I don't know. But it kind of resurfaced in the the early noughties. Um But yeah, mm-hmm. it might be it might be tricky to get a copy. I don't know. Yeah, because they they released a sequel in like two thousand nine. So I think maybe mm-hmm. after that, the first one might have become more popular again, and then maybe they might have printed yeah. more. I don't know. That's probably what it was. Yeah. They probably re-released it for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. it's easier now. But yeah, I think I think we're all agreed that this would probably be a better book read than listened to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let me see. Comparison to other media, so like obviously the big one is Dante's Inferno. Obviously it's like a mirror mirror of that one. <laughs> or a retelling as yeah. you said. So um yeah. So anybody who um who doesn't know or isn't aware what that what that is, um Dante was he, he was a, a medieval poet. Well, a medieval writer actually from um from Italy. He uh, he wrote a poem called The Divine Comedy. It was split up into three different parts. One for hell, one for purgatory, and one for paradise. Uh, Inferno is the, the version of hell, which has nine circles. So this, this book is, is it's kind of a retelling, but it's also kind of a sequel because it mentions Dante's Inferno. So Dante's Inferno exists within this book. They, they use that as a guide nearly. So it's it's hard to see, even say if this is a remake or if it's a retail and it's it's something it's on, it's on that spectrum of things anyway yeah so yeah as we mentioned none of us have ever read dante's inferno uh, or any of the divine comedy but what would you mm-hmm. guys would you guys like to read that now or, or you know seriously would you would you would you like to go through it i would I, not on the podcast just just to have a yeah you know. just 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 because of the history of it like because it was obviously written many years ago um and yeah, yeah i guess because of this book you know and I think we are discussing our media, and there was that game I mentioned there, Adaptors of Arno. It is an interesting kind of topic. Um, the only thing that puts me off it is that it's a poem. Um, I'm not a big fan of poetry, but I guess so as you know, the, the Homer's Odyssey is like in poem style as well. Um, it's not yeah. that a poem can't tell a great story still, so I just it's mm-hmm. just not something as far as I'm, I'm aware, interested like- in. Like epic poetry, historical style is, is quite different to like modern poetry. But I haven't I haven't read anything that far. The oldest, the oldest book I've read is um is Don Quixote, which is from the sixteenth century. So I haven't read anything further back than that. Mm. So I couldn't I couldn't say for certain. But I think there was a, a there was a difference and and what constitutes poetry, and epic poetry, at, at that time. Yeah, but would would you like to read it though? Yes, I would. Well, I would. Uh, I would give it a read someday. Yeah. yeah, I would. Wouldn't. I'm not rushing out to get it or anything, but it's on my. It's on my list. Well, when you guys when you get around to it, uh, let me know. 
how that holds up. <laughs> um, I saw. So you're not intending? Uh, well, uh, I don't know if I have the time. You know, I've got so much yeah. to do, Michael. <laughs> how yeah. long is it? <laughs> no, probably won't. It's a, unless you, it's an unless epic you tell poem me it's anyway, amazing, so then, I, then I probably will. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I seen a, a quote from uh, a Raymond Wilson, who I don't know who that is. But they said that it's it's almost entirely derivative and yet remarkably original. That is Inferno, Dante's <laughs> Inferno. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I thought that was interesting. I just wanted to give it a wee mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, other thing to mention, I think, in other media as well as the Dan Brown book, which I've read. Um, it's not really it's not a retelling of a journey through hell as such. It's like the typical Dan Brown thriller where they're on the run from these um. The, this underground conspiracy is happening and they're on the run and they're trying to find clues and all these historical documents and stuff like that it's a a lot of dan brown gets a lot of criticism but i i, I enjoyed inferno i thought it was it was a good read cool uh a- any other media to cover i guess just to maybe give a bit more detail on the actual um dante's inferno game oh, yeah. which i did play um i think it was released um, it was published by uh, Electronic Arts, so EA. Um, they it's in make, the game. Yeah, it's in the game. Um, it's essentially an action adventure game. Um, it kind of just does, yeah, follow like um, going through Dante's uh, nine circles of hell. You know, you're battling demons, and usually there's kind of ends of like a boss at the end of the circle. Um, but I think the actual like you know had like kind of you know as you went through, you got experience points, upgraded your guy, made him stronger. They battle harder and harder bosses and things like that um so i would actually you know i'm a subscriber to the the xbox game pass it would be great if they uh re-released that onto there um it's it's a (laughs) game that i would definitely you know love to play like as a a modern version um so if they ever like remade it or something like that but it was only released in 2010 so Mm -hmm. maybe it's not deservant of a uh you know re-release or anything but but uh no it's a good game and if uh, if you ever see it you know check it out there and uh if microsoft are listening like we're we're happy to take uh sponsorship over that and <laughs> you know we'll we'll, we'll play the game <laughs> yeah we'll do uh we'll read, Dante's we'll inferno the, uh game podcast we'll do the divine comedy as we off at the yeah <laughs> everything hell hell based <laughs> um yeah so yeah anything hell based so let's let's talk let's talk about that then so other depictions of hell and and uh different types of media um how do you think they compare? Uh, I think you briefly talked about this at the start, Michael, where you said you know it's kind of different to to mm-hmm. the kind of standard. The biblical, yeah. The only ones that yeah. come to mind for me are kind of comedy yeah. ones, <laughs> like uh, you know Little Nicky, South Park, Futurama, mm-hmm. all those sort of things. They're all yeah. sort of played for laughs rather than any sort of yeah. seriousness. So. Yeah. So. Um, the biblical depiction of hell apparently um hell is not really mentioned that much in the bible or at least it's not described much in the bible a lot of the modern depictions of hell the thoughts of hell do come from dante's inferno it, it's uh, it does has depiction of hell which is more more iconic nearly hmm. uh which is 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 funny thing um as for depictions of hell yeah i've seen south park i've seen um hell and the simpsons and futurama it's it, I think those are all funny. Uh, I've seen Little Nicky. Um, as far as non-comedic, um, I've, I did see a movie called um, 
Event Horizon, which is a horror movie that takes place in space. So maybe this is where my theory came <laughs> from. But uh, they have a, a space version of hell, basically. And Stephen, you're a fan of Doctor Who. Do you remember the episode? Oh, the Satan Pit? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we could almost count that, maybe. But uh, I, I actually look for uh, the Wikipedia here of Depictions of Hell. And there's funny, there's one that, um, my favourite one is, Hell appears in Santa Claus 1959. <laughs> so I would love to see what... That sounds like a terrifying movie and anyway. I'm not going to watch that. Sounds pretty, yeah. <laughs> a black and white Santa Claus in Hell. That, that episode, just, just to go back, that episode of Doctor Who, I thought that was, that's a really good one. So that's, that's the one that where... That a really he, good episode. I too. can't remember, obviously, I don't know what the planet's called, but for some reason he has to go down a really deep pit. And he meets. There's a beast on mm-hmm. there. Uh, it's like being held yeah. prisoner or something. And yeah, mm-hmm. that that's a good that's a good mention. Yeah. But that's a, that's everything I could think of anyway. Yeah. But obviously there there's no, no there's no people being you know souls being tortured for eternity. But yeah, there's sort of that no, between no. the the beast and and Satan as it and the pet obviously in hell as it were. Yeah. 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 Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that uh, what you said about the Bible, though. That you know, I thought it would have came up a few times. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, like um, the idea of like fire being in hell and everything, it's it's not really from the Bible. I don't know if there's anybody listening who wants to correct me on this. They they absolutely can write onto us. But um, uh, I I don't I don't think there's many mentions of hell, many descriptions of hell, and and many descriptions of fire. It's all like it's the same as uh, the devil. A lot of those um. A lot of those uh, descriptions of the devil with the hooves and stuff comes from like pagan iconography. Yeah, doesn't doesn't the devil in the Bible is usually just described as some form of temptation? Like it's 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 usually not a physical being of sort. It's it's usually like yeah, a, yeah like a feeling of temptation or like bad thoughts or whatever. But I do. Yeah, it's the same with the, it's same with hell. It's a bit more uh, it's a bit more obscure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not a, that's an interesting point. Like they that that is where our, most of our thinking about hell and how we depict it comes from Dante's telling rather mm-hmm. than so I, yeah. what, I, what I'd like to know is where did Dante come up with this did he just like is this just what his <laughs> idea of hell is I suppose like everyone's idea of hell is different you well, know, what you, you fear or what you think is torture so but Benito mentions that mm. in the book he says uh, what is it he says that he thinks that uh, Dante's depiction of hell came from like a vision or, or like a yeah not, like he you know, he, he sort of got transported to hell or something, and then he, he came back and wrote it, down what it he presupposes, saw. presupposes, yeah. What he thought. Yeah, what he thought presupposes he saw, yeah. that Dante has seen hell, yeah. I think, too, doesn't doesn't the Bible, like, or maybe it doesn't say it in the Bible, but I guess, like, a lot of Christian kind of belief is that, like, you know, earth, current earth is hell, you know, because, you know, suffering and stuff. I'm not sure if this is very opinionated, but, um, yeah, this is just... <laughs> I feel like, you know, that's why it's not mentioned, uh, there is, mentioned yeah. in the Bible as much, because I feel like... That's mm-hmm. Hell is all their people. Yeah. yeah, hell is, 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 is all around us. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Now, you, you reminded me there of, uh, just uh, it's randomly came into my head there, but another depiction, um, which sort of ties back to that episode of Doctor Who, uh, it's uh, Good Omens by um, Neil Gaiman. That's, that's the show on Amazon, isn't it? It's a show, but it's also a novel by uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry yes. Pratchett. Um, yes. I'm a big fan of both those offers, but to my shame, I have never read Good Omens. Oh yeah, I've not, I've not read. Maybe that's going to be my next pick, but uh, spoilers. I don't, I don't want to be. Don't want to be <laughs> no sort no, of no descriptions of, of the new book that's going to appear. <laughs> yeah. So, 
So the the series we can a, never do any book we've mentioned. The series the series is actually really really good, and uh, the the link to Doctor Who is that uh, David Tennant plays one of the main characters. But it's it's really good. Uh, you don't really see hell that much in it as I remember though. But it it is kind of it's kind of interesting the way it's kind of like all everything's really dark and it's almost like uh, as I remember like a weird sort of warehouse <laughs> that they're in you know like with all yeah, these different um, dark rooms and stuff i can't really remember them yeah but uh, i'm absolutely sure we will do some neil gaiman and terry pratchett books as this absolutely. podcast goes on but absolutely yeah, but yeah good omens that's that's a good that's, that's a good recommendation uh for a show mm-hmm. anyway. uh so let's move on to trivia then um so trivia like i found it, it was hard to find trivia for this one obviously because again it's really obscure yeah. But uh, here's what I found. So it was published in 1976 and nominated for the 76 Hugo and Nebula Awards for Best Novel. It didn't win, as far as I'm aware, but it was nominated. Um, I can't really... I don't remember where I've seen this, but the book caused a bit of a stir when it was released, I guess because of Benito and what we, what we talked about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That probably didn't go down too well <laughs> at the time because there was. I, I imagine. imagine a lot of the people who read it would have known of you know Mussolini and probably knew him by first name, mm-hmm. where we don't because you know this it was published almost fifty years ago, like so. Yeah. Um. So, but despite that, it as I understand, it was moderately successful and yeah, fell out of print. Like I said, where it was republished, mm-hmm. I think as we said to co- coincide with the sequel. Uh, and the last thing that I um, I got was the sequel uh, entitled Escape from Hell was released in 2009 and uh, that was 43, 43 years after the first book and it, again it was written by Niven and Purnell I uh, don't know much about it other than a quick look at the, the sort of blurb and that um, Alan has now taken on Benito's role to you know ferry people through hell essentially and show them show them the path to escape so apparently this is just on wikipedia and i've actually just found something that we did talk about as well um so firstly i know that they say that it was a bit more successful than they actually thought it was going to be and it like um college students you know got more into dante you know the, the divine comedy and stuff and I see um, it's happened now. Now, as we mentioned there, you said this would be a good ge- a good idea for a text adventure game, you know, um, which apparently mm-hmm. uh, one of the authors did report that he and, like, so uh, Purnell and Niven, um, that they were planning to write a script for a text adventure based on the game. Um, obviously, that must have never came to fruition. Right. But, yeah, um, yeah mm-hmm. obviously, they thought it was a good idea for a game too, so. Oh, I would yeah. love to play that. Yeah, but, I'd um, love to. I'd love to make that game, but I don't know how much you know about writing and, and, and text adventure games. But that has uh, a lot of work. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot a, of. It's, a, it's a, supposed to be a rite, of, a rite of passage for a, a code, a software engineer. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like text trees that you have to come up with. You know, yeah, this yeah, leads to I, that and yeah, so yeah. on. Yeah, there are a lot of cameos in this book um, by other science fiction writers. Um, I'm not. I'm not completely in-depth about my older science fiction to be honest but i knew uh i saw one by isaac asimov and i knew there was a couple of like references to science fiction writers who had started religions so i don't know if that was um Mm. 
you know, a reference to Scientology and, and that, or would that have been in the zeitgeist as much in the 70s? But um, I, I find that interesting. I think that definitely was touched, but I, I they didn't yeah. mention it by name, as far as I'm aware, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, they, they didn't know. Maybe, well, maybe they didn't want to give it any attention, I don't know, but it's, you know, they, they definitely would have known about it, about, you know. Well, yeah. L. Ron Hubbard was mentioned, was he not? He, I think he was, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. Yeah, so they were, they obviously wouldn't know about it, like, but yeah, yeah. He definitely was on that path <laughs> for the religion one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, Kurt Vonnegut was was mentioned too. He had. Uh, oh yeah, I've, had, I've read Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. He had a uh, what was it a tomb, uh, like a big gold tomb or something. I don't know if mm-hmm. it was gold. That's just for some reason that's in my head. But where he was kind of he wrote uh, Slaughter yeah. Slaughterhouse Five, didn't he? Yeah. Bunch of science. Yeah, I've read there. that. Yeah. It's a very, very um, strange book, mm-hmm. but it's also considered one of the best books ever. So <laughs> we should read that sometime. But it's a weird book. Yeah. Do you think? Do, just, just came into my head there. So these guys are science fiction writers, but they're putting all the other science fiction writers in hell. Do you think that was kind of like a a dig? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely. Thing? It was. Yeah, definitely. Hundred yeah. percent. It was very. Yeah. Right. That's pretty funny. <laughs> it was a bit of a self self deprecating humor, definitely. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh, you mean you mean <laughs> about science fiction writers in general? I was kind of getting that yeah. you know, that they were saying kind of, you know, for example, Kurt Vonnegut. They were saying, you know, oh, he deserves to be in hell because his writing's bad. You know, they uh, they thought that or something. Uh, you know? uh, I think it was. Uh, I think they were poking a bit of fun at themselves as well. Uh, but yeah. Before we go on to the next. The book we're going to read. Let's just say what what, what we're kind of we're co- what what else are we mm-hmm. kind of reading or consuming media wise? I haven't really got any books on the go at the minute, uh, so I'm keen to hear Johnny's book pick and get cracking on that. But as for other media, I, I just finished uh, last night. Welcome to Wrexham, uh, and I absolutely loved it. The guys here will know that I'm not the biggest football fan, like, but that this <laughs> that was a really good show, and I really liked it. Um great watch I would definitely recommend uh, other than that I've been watching Andor and uh, yeah it's amazing I think I think I mentioned that last time but it's it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. if you like the Mandalorian <laughs> or Star Wars in general you'll, you'll definitely like this and yeah it's, it's kind of me for what I'm doing media wise yeah so uh, what I, what else I am consuming I uh, I recently finished uh, Normal People which is a book by Irish author Sally Rooney I really hate parts of this book really really hate parts of this book i would love us to review it someday and tell you why i hate parts of this book but okay, um, just tell me it is very beautifully written at times it's it's good thematically at times but there are parts where i really really hate it <laughs> that's all i'll say on it um i'm also listening to audio dramas um if anybody doesn't know audio dramas are they're basically like plays for your ears so they're quite they're sort of different from audiobooks they're a bit more performative if i was to recommend one individually i would say listen to the truth it is a uh, anthology audio drama it's really really good lots most of them are science fiction based it's uh just to tie it onto this episode, there is an episode called enjoy the suffering which actually takes place in dante's version of hell so and i actually listened to that this week that was not intentional but (laughs) i would strongly recommend that podcast if you if you say you finished your audiobooks you're between lessons you want something listen to the truth 
It's really, really good. It's just just in something you said there. So you, you, something you you're, something else you're consuming is related to Inferno, right? I've mm-hmm. a couple of times this week, you know, I've noticed random references to 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 Dante's Inferno or the Divine Comedy. Like I was on <laughs> Wikipedia for something completely yeah. unrelated, and there it was, and I was like, that's so strange. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I know. It was a weird coincidence. So at the minute, audiobook wise, I'm reading or listening to two um one is going to be my next pick so i will mention it in the next section the other one is meditations um by marcus aurelius um so michael you mentioned before you've never read like a really old book um obviously this book was written um i believe marcus aurelius i don't know exactly when it was written um i don't think anyone does but he lived between 121 and 180 um 80 um so this book is like almost 2,000 years old um, but essentially it's just it is kind of about how he lived his life and how he thinks you know well I should live his life he talks about you know not fear and death a lot because you know you're going to die and there's nothing you can do about it it's very I don't think it would be a good one for this podcast because it is quite opinionated in terms of you know it is it completely his opinion and whether or not you believe, uh, believe it or not um, and it is it is quite hard to listen to because it is um quite old language i guess it was probably written in latin and yeah. then converted to english but it still yeah. sounds quite um old and you know the way they talk the way they say things but i think what you glean from it um is as well the romans fascination fascination with like greek uh, mythology and greek stuff um yes. greek religion and things like that yeah. too um which i was quite interested mm-hmm. in but in terms of it it's kind of like you know how you should treat other people you know things like that so it is it is a good book for people you know that with you know like life um kind of talks you know one of those kind of books um but because it was by marcus aurelius and i was like god you know i am quite fascinated with the roman kind of period so i was like you know i have to give this a listen to um so yeah i've been listening to that and another podcast then that i've been listening to is called the short history of um Essentially, it te- each each episode takes a certain topic in history, and you know goes into a bit of detail about it. Gives you essentially a, a good good kind of overview of that topic. So, for example, two of the most recent uh, episodes: one was on the Mongol Empire, one was on the real Peaky Blinders. So, if anyone's seen the show, this actual podcast will cover you know what the real um, Peaky Blinders were like. Um, I didn't go- know they were actually real. Oh no, they they were a proper gang. I don't obviously not as dramatized you know the the show dramatizes it a yeah. lot but um yeah they're real yeah um, you know he talk, basically talks about everything like napoleon spanish armada stonehenge basically any kind of topic um so each episode is kind of on each topic um but no it's a very very interesting podcast if you're into history um i really enjoy it and the actual boy that does it too he's quite interesting to listen to um but you yeah, know that's that's everything for me at the moment so i guess let's let's move on to the the next book then Johnny do you want to take it away yeah so um, the book is called 2001 A Space Odyssey by Arthur C. Clarke um, and this is the one narrated by Dick Hill um, so essentially I guess just to give maybe n- not so much a summary of the book or, but, but why it was written it was actually um, they discuss this at the start of this audiobook um it's like you know arthur c clark gives a kind of um like a preface almost or a preface um he 
wrote the book for the actual movie, um, which is quite popular in the 60s, directed by Stanley Kubrick, and Stanley didn't want um, to write the movie based off like a, a movie script. He says they can be quite difficult to you know read through and actually come up with good ideas, so he asked Arthur C. Clarke to um, mm-hmm. write the book, and then they'd write they'd create the movie from that um so obviously the movie had massive because it was you know the, the movie came out in like i think it was the early 60s so before the space launch you know when the first trip to the moon or whatever but um you know so people were absolutely fascinated by space and this was an absolute excellent time to release this thing so it was very very popular back then um but this is the book um that the movie is based on so um yeah that's all i'll say about it nice one excited to uh, through that yeah um, have you have you guys read it before? I've not read the book, but yes. I have seen the film. And Michael, you've read it, so I have seen the film and read the book. So yeah. I get, I guess we can't do the guessing game this time because obviously you know the the the, the premise, but the plot, yeah, yeah. And give a well, give a joke guess if you want. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Steve. No, 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 I won't. However, the, the book is quite short <laughs> anyway. It's only about I think six hours of listening at normal speed, so. There, there are a lot of uh, pop culture references to this book as well, so it's be good for other media. Is it much different to the film? Actually, don't don't tell me that. Let me let me find out for myself. I'm yeah, sure. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss. <laughs> I actually haven't seen the film, so I'm gonna have watched that as well by oh, nice. the next podcast. Yeah, it's a bit of a slog. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I guess. I guess I'm even being in the sixties. Is gonna be a bit hard to well, watch. I don't know if it would matter when this film was made. It's just uh, <laughs> I've seen the start of the film, which is utterly <laughs> ridiculous. So <laughs> I, I I liked yeah, it. The, well, the, the monolith. Save this for the next thing, but I liked it. Yeah, it yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah, there's times where it's like yeah, yeah, it's it's slow. Okay, but no, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about that book. Yeah, me too. Yes, it should be should be a fun one. So. Um, mm-hmm. So that 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 kind of concludes this episode then. Uh, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll finish up here. Um, yeah, can you you just go over again, Johnny? Who, which narrator that is? Uh, yeah. So the book title is Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey by Arthur C. Clarke, and it's narrated by Dick Hill. Okay, happy days. Yeah. So that'll that'll be us for this this episode. Um, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the book. <laughs>